Hey guys, JR here. Before we dive into this week's voice memo episode, I wanted to give you a quick heads up. I was experiencing some audio issues with one of my microphone tables, so my personal audio kind of spikes every once in a while. Some parts I answer at a normal speaking tone, other ones my voice gets a little louder. So apologies about that. Great episode, lots of voice memos from a lot of familiar voices. So awesome hearing the eclectic international group that is listening in and contributing. And at the end of today's episode, we've got some audio, uh, some bonus audio from my conversation with Jerry Ferrara, a.k.a. Turtle. He talks about his favorite season of Entourage, as well as his favorite celebrity cameo of all time. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying inside. Enjoy the episode and talk to you soon. What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. Entourage fans, listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast, how are we doing this lovely Monday quarantine? I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from my studio in San Francisco, California. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe inside. Special voice memo edition of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah today. Breaking it up in between seasons four and seasons five. Apologies about the hiatus. Lots of stuff going on in my personal life. Keep moving from Northern California to Southern California and back and forth. My day job has gotten crazy. When the entire world is inside watching television 24-7 and you write TV commercials, turns out your job gets busier. Got a great episode for you guys today. Good voice memos from a couple familiar faces, couple new questions. And then at the end of today's episode, I'm going to play a bonus audio clip from my Jerry Ferrara interview after we got done recording. He and I were just bullshitting. I still had the recorder on, and he told me his favorite season of the show and his favorite celebrity cameo, along with a few other tidbits. Definitely wanted to share that with you guys, with his blessing, of course. Thanks to everyone that's reached out, checked in. I know you guys are dying for your Monday morning Entourage content. I hope today's episode can answer some questions you have. I'll give you an update about Season 5, and we'll talk some Entourage. So without further ado, let's dive in with our first question. Hey, JR. It's Jason here. Huge fan of the podcast. Love what you've been doing with it. My question for you is, which are the movies that Vincent Chase did not end up making, but was either linked to or accepted a role in, do you think would be the best movie? Like Matterhorn, Danger Beach, Lost in the Cloud slash Silo, uh, Smoke Jumpers, or maybe even that Edith Wharton movie. Which one do you think would be the best? Thanks. Great question to tip us off. Thanks, Jason. It's funny, we're at that point in the show where in season five, the majority of the season is Vince trying to get onto movies that aren't made, Danger Beach and Smoke Jumpers specifically. Believe it or not, I am interested in diving into this season and kind of his pitfalls and his trials and tribulations because seasons six, seven, and eight, Vince is cruising. You know, it's Gatsby, Ferrari, and Hyde all the way through the movie. This season where he struggles is going to be interesting to talk about week over week. So if I had to pitch, of all the movies that Vince is close to making or is you know connected to making and then it falls through, of the options of Matterhorn, the Edith Wharton novel, 
Lost in the Cloud slash Silo, Danger Beach, or Smoke Jumpers in chronological order. I think I'm going Lost in the Cloud slash, slash Silo. Silo seems like one of these futuristic Netflix-type movies. It would be a Netflix original. It would be released on a Friday night all across the world. It would do crazy numbers during this quarantine because everyone would be stuck inside. You'd have a Chris Hemsworth attached or a Ryan Reynolds playing like Vince's sidekick. And it'd be one of those dystopian sci-fi popcorn flicks similar to like a Blade Runner 2049. One of those movies that wouldn't really did a wide release in theaters, but would crush on streaming because the audience is built in right there on their couches. So that's my vote. It's a pretty easy question, to be honest with you. Smoke Jumpers was a shit show. Matterhorn was a Disney ride. The Edith Wharton thing, that's something that like my wife would drag me to. Danger Beach, I don't know. Maybe if I was 15 years old and I was trying to get some under-the-bra like boob action in a movie theater. It's Lost in the Clouds, Silo. Great question, Jason. This next question is from Michael. He's from the UK originally, but he's currently based in Colombia. Holy shit, I love hearing that people are listening to this podcast around the world. Apologies for the volume level at the beginning of the voice memo. The recording didn't exactly take. Hello, mate. Um, thanks for doing the podcast. It's a wonderful listen every, every Monday, and I uh, really appreciate it, particularly in these times. Uh, I'm from the UK, but I'm calling from Colombia. And uh, I wanted to mention something that I thought about recently for the first time in years, that at university in England, we used to play a entourage drinking game uh, before we went out. And there were things such as you had to take a sip every time they smoked weed, every time Turtle had his hat off, every time everything was all right, every time uh, drama mentioned the past, and uh, every time drama said victory, you had to skull your drink. Um, thought that might be something interesting to include. Uh, if anybody else has got stories like that, it'd be great to hear. Cheers, mate. I love this. This is what Entourage is all about. Getting together with your buddies, cracking open a few Bud Selects, and just having fun with the boys in the Hollywood Hills. No matter where you are. No matter whether you're in the United Kingdom, Columbia, or on a couch in the Midwest. So... I have a feeling this has been done before. I'm sure you can find like a better version of this online, but according to Michael, him and his buddies had some rules for when they would take a sip of a drink or, or finish their drink. For example, when Turtle takes his hat off, you take a sip. You finish your drink when everything works out in the end. You probably kill a whole taste when drama yells victory. I've got a few more here that I came up with. Let's see how these track. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Take a drink every time there's an unnecessary celebrity cameo. So just someone passing through the scene going like, what up, Vince? What up, E? Or take a drink every time there's an age joke made at Johnny Drama's expense. Take a drink whenever E or Ari hang up the phone without saying goodbye to the other person. Take a drink every time there's a gratuitous shot of a female extra walking through the scene. And every time Drama says bro, take a drink and you might end up in the hospital. Every time they're shown drinking a Bud Select, you have to drink six Bud Selects because each Bud Select has the equivalent calories of six Bud Selects. <laughs> and every time Turtle is shown smoking weed, you have to smoke crack. I don't make the rules, I just enforce them. And speaking of drinking, here's another question. Hey JR, it's Jeremy. I'm from Australia. Big fan of the podcast and of Andrade's show, of course. 
I'm living in the UK at the moment, and similar to you, I know you're in North Cali, we're in lockdown at the moment, so I was wondering, uh, what is your beer slash wine collection uh, for nights on the couch during this isolation period? Hope you're keeping safe, keep up the work. If you're in a state of lockdown, which most of you are, you've probably done quite a bit of indulging, whether that's an entourage or recreational drugs or imbibing in hard liquor. This is a good question, Jeremy. I appreciate you asking kind of a non-entourage question to break it up here. What's on my bar cart? I've actually got a pretty substantial liquor collection. I Maybe I'll post a photo of my bar cart. It's the size of like a mini Cooper. Weighs 500 pounds. It's made of cedar. The wheels are made of iron. Took about seven people getting it up to our third floor apartment. It's probably the pride and joy of my apartment. And I've worked in advertising long enough where I've worked on enough liquor brands where I've gotten like free bottles from Jameson and from some wine brands and stuff like that. I think you're asking for like what I'm drinking currently or what am I drinking now during quarantine. And uh, it's interesting because I'm not a beer guy. I probably drank beer in college, Bud Selects, just to emulate my favorite, you know, crew out in Beverly Hills. But I've always been more of a, a liquor person. Um, so if it's if it's a tequila for me, I drink a Tostadores Blanco, probably something you know light on calories. Maybe mix that with a soda water, a spin drift if you want some fruit juice in that. And then I do enjoy whiskey, you know, Four Roses single batch. There's a really underrated bottle of Jameson. I know people probably think Jameson is like, oh, that's like well whiskey, but Jameson has something called Jameson Black Barrel. What they do is they double char it in a barrel uh, for like a couple years, and it comes out really smooth and got a bit of like vanilla hint to it. If a normal bottle of Jameson's like 20 bucks, a Jameson Black Barrel bottle is 40. So if you're ever just in the market for like a nice sipping whiskey that won't break the bank, do Jameson Black Barrel. Also, and this is super like local California pothead centric La Donitas, the brewing company that's based here. They have a location in Chicago. I think they're a national brand now, but La Donitas partnered with Absolute Extrats, which is a uh, marijuana brand to create something called Hi-Fi Hops. It's only available in California, possibly in Colorado. Check out their website, hifihops.com, or maybe you just Google it. I don't honestly remember. So what it is, is it's just hop water and THC mixed together. So there's no calories, there's no sugar, it tastes like a beer, and it gets you substantially to moderately high. They have a 5 milligram one and a 10 milligram one. I either like to have a 5 milligram myself or split a 10 milligram with my wife, or if I'm feeling crazy, I'll do the whole 10 milligram myself and have to peel myself off the carpet. I've written a couple billboards for them, that's why I know about them so well, and uh, honestly, like they're the best way to, like, you know, turn your brain off without actually destroying your body in the process so check them out hi-fi hops hello i just want to say please do a podcast for season five episode one i'm ugly waiting for it this is 100 percent my favorite voice memo i've ever gotten this is our third time doing one of these i've probably done 30 voice memos this one takes the cake working on season five now I'll have an update for when that's going to drop towards the end of this episode. Keep listening. Thank you to one of the female listeners for dialing in. I know there are a small percentage of listeners of the pod that are female. I looked at the metrics. As you can imagine, it's like 95% of the listenership is uh, males in their mid-20s to early to late 30s. And um, it's always great to hear from a female fan. That's all i got to say.
I'm always on the lookout for female guests. As you know, that's like hitting a moving target. A female who understands the show, doesn't take it too seriously, and isn't offended by the numerous offensive things that happen every week. I'll keep at it. If you know of a female that would make for a particularly good guest, please send them my way. Always looking for some female blood on the pot. So our next voice memo comes from someone who asked to remain anonymous, but he has a pretty distinct voice, and he's been on the podcast three or four times at this point, so let's just see if you can discern who this question comes from. Hey, JR, I have a question. Why do the guys give E shit about being, like, obsessed with Sloan? She is so far out of his league. Every time they talk about it, they should be like, I can't believe that that supermodel sits on your little Irish cock. I can't believe it. Instead, they're like, oh, you're going back to Sloan? Yeah, dude, he's going back to Sloan. Like, what the fuck are we doing? All right, love the show, man. I'd love to hear your answer. It's always good to hear from this listener. I'm surprised he didn't ask his question in 60 seconds or less. All joking aside, it is a valid point. All the guys do is shit on E for getting back together with Sloan, for trying to figure things out with Sloan. Sloan, I think, represents reality for these guys. So on the highway of Vinny Chase's celebrity life, if, like, Vince is in the Lincoln, you know, Turtles driving, everyone else is in the back seat as they're just rocketing along at 80 miles per hour, Sloan wanting E to settle down with her represents, like, an exit that the boys have to turn off on to drop E off. I don't think it's that they dislike Sloan. I think it's that they, like, don't want to see their friend stop having a good time with them. I mean, Sloan is, like, the quintessential male writer fantasy. She's hot, she's rich, she's down for threesomes, she's super low-maintenance, and yet, for some reason... Turtle Drama and Vince roll their eyes every single time E tries to get back together with her, tries to work things out. If this was a real group of friends, I don't think it would happen this way. I think A, they'd all secretly be jealous, and B, they'd be like a little resentful. Like, damn, how did this, you know, <laughs> my guest who will remain nameless, points it out. E is slight in stature, he's pale as a sheet of paper. It doesn't make sense. And for a group of guys, I think that's what would bother them more. Is like, why does this dude just keep getting hot chick after hot chick? Like, what is his secret? Johnny Drama's a literal TV star and can never, ever land a girl. So that's probably part of it. Always great hearing from you, Mike. Hope you're well. Hope lockdown is going well for you. And my question, in case there's time, was... Regarding the podcast, did you think it would have got to where it's got now when you started? Always great to hear the silty smooth voice of my friend Alex in the UK. Alex, thanks as always for calling in, dialing in, sending a voice memo, whatever. It's a good question. Um, I didn't know what the podcast was when I started, as longtime listeners know. I was pretty hard on the show when I kicked this off in season one. I think my ultimate goal was A, to finish it, to do all 96 episodes of the television show. We're a little bit over halfway there. Um, a, a much more selfish goal was I wanted to talk to people about the show, and whether that was people on the show or funny people who connected with the show. That was my secondary goal, and... 
I mean, I think I've been doing that. I've gotten to know some pretty cool people and gotten to connect with some pretty talented comedians, actors, etc. But I think most importantly, I've gotten to know Entourage fans from all around the world. We have this like shared love for the show and it's made us connect in this really unique and weird way. So being the driving force or the reason behind that, that feels pretty cool. Apologies for the volume changes throughout this episode. I'm having an issue with one of my microphone tables. I would order a new one, but uh, chances are it wouldn't arrive until the end of May due to the worldwide pandemic going on. So I'll just have to make do. This next question comes from another longtime listener. You've heard his voice before, TJ from Toronto. Always comes at me with some great music questions, some great Scott Venner trivia. Take it away, TJ. Hey, what's up, JR? It's TJ calling from uh, Toronto, Canada again. Um, just had a quick uh, entourage question for you, actually about music this time, instead of giving you some music facts. Uh, just want to ask you a question. What's your favorite closing ended, ending credit song that has ever been played in Entourage? Uh, mine is actually on the Alan Gray death episode, is, uh, but imagined by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and D'Angelo. I think that's the best closing credit songs ever on Entourage. Just wondering what your favorite closing uh, Entourage episode song is. And take care, uh, JR. You're doing a great job. Thanks. We talked about our favorite music every week. We have the Spotify playlist. Oh yeah, oh yeah music. The link to listen is in the show notes of today's episode. Entourage became known for its closing song. Jerry Farrar confirmed that, and Scott Venner was the mad hatter, evil genius behind that. Some weeks he'd end in a classic rock song, other weeks he'd end in some underground hip-hop, long-forgotten smash, and sometimes he'd end on something a little, like, non-conventional. So, this is a great question. I took some time, did some research, went back, re-watched the endings of a couple episodes, came up with my top three ultimately landing on a number one. So, number three is from the season six premiere drive. It's Lucky Man by The Verve. Okay, one drink, nothing more. Yeah, I'm serious. Well, you didn't want to be Vince's driver forever anyway, right? No, of course I didn't. It's just that Vince is blowing up so fast again, I kind of got lost in what I'm doing. Oh, what are you doing? I got a couple of ideas. <laughs> what are they? No, not till they're ready, baby. Oh, okay. Tell me. No, nice try. Oh! <laughs> you know what? Just for that, I'm peeing right in the tub. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, Johnny, we're running behind. Gonna be here all night. Sorry. Don't be! This is what I live for. Oh, yeah, a little higher. Right there, right there. Oh! Fire 
This is a moment that stands out in a lot of Entourage fans' minds because things are good again. We're coming up on season five and it's a struggle the whole time. Season six begins, the Datsby premiere, Vince is on top of the world. The episode ends with Turtle and his new girlfriend, Jamie Lynn Seedler, fooling around in the tub. Drama on set of Five Towns, getting a massage. He finds out they're running late and he says, this is exactly where I need to be. Even Ian Sloan are working things out over a drink. And Vince, who just got his driver's license, comes home to a completely empty house. Looks around, kind of sad. It's a very poignant moment, and the song itself kind of tugs at the heartstrings. Does a really good job of elevating that moment from just an episode ending to one of the best endings. Because we've seen their arc. You know, we're six seasons in with the boys. We've seen where Vince has come from. We saw him struggle the whole previous season. Turtle, never a serious girlfriend drama never could get lucky enough to land a network did they both have it everyone's happy and it's a really really nice moment that's lost in entourage canon if there even is something like that it's also sad vince always jokes around and says like my boys are growing up and leaving home and that's exactly what this is supposed to signify Obviously, we get to Season 7, things fall apart, and it's Vince that needs saving, but at this point, he doesn't need to save anyone's ass. He's just kind of living the good life, and all of his friends have gone on to, in some be- in some ways, bigger and better things. Okay, my number two favorite closing credit song is TJ's number one. This is from Season 5, Episode 7, Gotta Look Up to Dit Down. It's Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. In this episode, Ari's wheeling and dealing at Terrence's funeral. The episode ends with the boys boarding a private jet to Hawaii with a plane full of supermodels. Super relatable stuff. But before they take off, Vince and Ari run into each other. Ari is going to Switzerland to talk about being the head of the movie studio. Vinny! Here anyway. Ari! It's my world, huh? What are you doing here? Listen, we are taking a little trip. Yeah, us too. Yeah, I can see that you're saving money by flying private again. Not our dime. Yeah. It's theirs. Nice time. Where are you headed? We're going to Geneva. That's Alan's boss right there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you're going to Geneva for me? Something wrong? Yeah, listen, Vinny, um, you're the only one in this town that I'm telling this to. I'm in a position to get you any job that we want for the rest of your career. How so? They're offering me Alan's position. They want me to run the studio. Wow. Yeah. And it just came out of the blue. What do you think? Oh, I just, I mean, I, I think I'd like us to finish what we started together, but I think you got to do what you got to do, right? What are you thinking? I'm thinking, I don't know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I'll tell you that much. Wow. Yeah. Have a good trip. Well, you All right. <laughs> All right. Yo, what's up? They just offered Ari the studio head position. Is he gonna take it? What's up, bro? Hey. Hello, hello. Mm. I figured we could just pick up where we left off. Okay. There are more girls coming, right? Uh, Don't worry, any second. They better be good looking. You're so lucky. I get so close to before we can cramp on these slides. Will you stop it, Rena. 
What? Well, because I'm not that small. That's why. Oh, did it hurt your feelings? I'm just teasing you. Yeah, well, it's not a very smart way to get a manager. I want a manager, but I need a spinner. She's calling the spinner. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Hey, now we're talking. Hey, how are you? Who hey. needs a drink? Uh, drinks? So, who's ready for five hours of captivity? Drinks? All around? All around. Are you all right, Vince? How could I be better? The moment that Ari and Vince have as they say goodbye to each other on their separate private jets in the Van Nuys private jet hangar is so good. Because it's almost like a father telling his son that he's leaving. And... You know, Vince is a grown man. There are other agents out there. He's all set career-wise. He doesn't need Ari's help anymore, but he says to him very poignantly, I want to finish what we started. And it gives Ari pause. And it makes him reconsider the whole thing because he's the only client, Vince is the only client that Ari's ever considered a friend. And I think you really see that in seasons five, especially the one we're coming up on. Like Ari is fighting tooth and nail for Vinny the entire season Almost like he's his son, and that's where this like kind of father-son relationship thing comes in, and I don't know, I just love it. Fake Plastic Trees, it's a little bit of an overplayed like radio version of a Radiohead song, if that even makes any sense, but it works here. The sun hitting the top of the jets as they pull away, and Vince kind of looking out the window at Ari, and then shutting the shades and having a drink to the supermodel it doesn't make you feel good doesn't make you feel like them leaving on a private jet to tan with Kanye West instead it makes you feel kind of sad because it feels like a chapter is ending and it's in the middle of season five so we're coming up on it just in a few short weeks my number one favorite end credit song is from the season six finale give a little bit and that song is in my lifetime by Jay-Z wow guys down for the count which one of us do you think will be next I have no idea Johnny This is right on the heels of the crazy Matt Damon, LeBron James cameo. Drama and Vince are both boarding a plane for Italy. Ian Sloan are finally engaged and they're driving off in the sunset in their new Maserati. The only outlier from this scene is that Turtle is like stuck on a plane in New Zealand and he's trying to dip from New Zealand to Italy. He just got dumped. I stand by this, and it's been said before, uh, probably in other places, but this should have been the series finale. If there was a way where they could have gotten Turtle back to the States or in one of these places, on the plane with Drama and Vince heading to Italy, this was it. This was as good as it was going to get on the show, sadly, and... In My Lifetime feels like such a nice nod to the pilot credits when Lucifer plays by Jay-Z. Classic, classic, early 90s hip-hop. Classic, classic, Venner deep cut. 
I love it. It's my number one end credit song overall. I'm sure it's on a lot of other people's bid boards. TJ, I know you're anxious for me to talk to Stott Venner on this pod. I've communicated with him. I've mentioned this before, but he's interested. He doesn't know how entertaining or interesting he'd be, as he says he's taken a lot of Ambien in between the times of him doing Entourage and now, so he doesn't remember a lot. I also, you know, I know I just kind of shit on season seven and eight. I don't mean to do that super intentionally because I do think there are some redeeming episodes in season seven and eight. I do think special consideration has to be given for the series finale and credit song. Season eight, episode eight, the end. The song is Led Zeppelin going to California. This song holds a special place in my heart. Because, as you all know, I packed my shit up six, seven years ago, and I moved to California, kind of doing the follow your dreams, Vinny Chase thing. I walked down the aisle to this song, not with my wife, like, before your wife walks down the aisle, the groom has to walk out solo, everyone's looking at you, and my wedding was in Big Sur, California, and I thought, what would be the perfect song to play with my entire family and friend group from Chicago and the East Coast all here. And that was going to California, because that's what I did. I, I basically followed my wife out to California in pursuit of love and happiness and all this stuff. So from a very sentimental point of view, that's why I love the end sequence of Entourage. I do not love the last season of Entourage. I do not love the last plot point of Vince running off to get married. I do not love the Ari Mrs. Ari bullshit. We will get to all of that in due time. But I love that end credit song Who Doesn't Love Going to California by Led Zeppelin. Great question, TJ. Probably the best question I got all week. This last question comes from a good friend of mine, reoccurring guest on Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the host of Bidstream Sports, and from Phenom to the Farm, Kyle Banduho, take it away. Hey, JR, it's Kyle Banduho here. Uh, reaching out because on Mondays, I like starting off my day with an episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, and just kind of want to get from you, what's the future of the series look like? When should we when should we uh, be expecting the rest of the seasons being laid out? Thanks, I'll hang up and listen. Crash, always good to hear your voice. Hope you're doing well and staying safe down there in Texas. The question that's on everybody's mind, when is season five coming back? I want to set the stage a little bit because there's been a lot going on behind the scenes with the podcast that everyone who listens needs to be informed of. So if you noticed, which you probably didn't, uh, we are no longer presented by BroBible.com. I had a one-year contract with BroBible, which was up at the end of March, and BroBible sadly decided not to renew the podcast contract. Now, this happened for a number of different reasons. Everybody is tightening their belts this summer in the digital content space. As you can imagine, with events not happening, advertising dollars are being pulled, companies are trying to stay afloat. Bro Bible, while still doing fine, couldn't in good conscience give me and the podcast another six-month, 12-month contract with things so up in the air and uncertain, which I totally understand. I can't tell you how supportive and awesome Brandon and the whole Bro Bible team were getting this podcast off the ground, connecting me to people to be on the podcast, helping me promote, helping me market, and in general, just being fans of me and my work. 
There are obviously no hard feelings, and the door is wide open for us to work together in the future on other projects, or maybe even this, should the world return to normal. The second reason this happened is, oh yeah, oh yeah, does fine. We have a couple thousand listens every week. People from all over the world listening, as you've heard today, listen to all those accents we just heard on those six or seven voice memos. It's incredible. It's bigger than I ever expected it to be. Sadly, a couple thousand listens isn't enough to monetize on any scale. You need to have tens of thousands of listens a week. So this has been a hard thing to sell to advertisers. I know every once in a while you hear an ad read. I know, you know, there's a Spotify read every once in a while. These are things I've had to set up on my own through certain direct response apps to just get a little bit of ad recognition and a little bit of revenue going. In the past, when people have asked if they can guest on the podcast, I've had to turn them down if their audience or following wasn't big enough. The reason being that the most important thing in this last year was scaling. Getting more listens week over week, trying to hit that 10,000 plus weekly listens benchmark. We didn't do it. Now, that doesn't mean that the podcast is over. That just means that JR is going to be doing this completely on his own from here on out. And I realize... I sound like a douchebag referring to myself in the third person, so I won't do that again. For the past year, I have done the booking, the writing, the editing, the recording, the producing, and the marketing for every episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. And that took up about 10 to 12 hours of my time every week. I was fortunate enough to be paid for those hours by Bro Bible. And now that that's not happening, this has become and will become something that will be harder and harder to make time for. So, what I am going to do from here on out, and we'll just start with Season 5, because that's around the corner, is I am not going to promise that each episode will come out on Monday mornings. Having to stick to a weekly deadline would mean that sometimes I would be forcing it. I would be rushing episodes, I would be booking guests that were just available as opposed to being a good fit for that particular episode. And I don't want that to be the case. I don't want the quality of oh yeah, oh yeah to suffer on account of me feeling pressured to put out an episode on time. So the first thing I asked of you, oh yeah, oh yeah listener, is patience. I will try to have episode one of season five out next Monday morning. I will try to have episode two out the following Monday morning. If that doesn't happen... Please, please, please try to understand. There is a lot going on right now. I am working a full-time job. I am a full-time husband. And I am now a part-time podcaster. The second thing I would ask for is your support. I know in times like these, it is, let's say, less than ideal to part with your own hard-earned money. Especially to give it to a guy you've never met who talks about entourage every week from a closet. Trust me when I say this was the last thing I wanted to do. But in order to make this sustainable, in order to keep doing what we've been doing here, which is growing the podcast, talking to bigger and better guests, growing our following on social media, I need to pay people. And I can't do that all from my own pocket. So, What I have set up through our hosting software, Anchor, is a way for you to donate to the podcast. 
25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar, five dollars, whatever you want, any amount is appreciated. Now, that money is not going directly into my pocket. For the duration of this national lockdown, I will be donating 50% of all donations to a group called good360.com. I have worked with good360.com in the past. What Good360 promises to deliver during these times is goods for the greater good. So what they do is they gather things that people on the front lines need. Blankets, sheets, towels, masks, gloves. And your donation, 50% of it, is going to go to this organization every month. So every month, I'm going to tweet and share on Instagram the amount I've received that month, the amount I'm donating, receipts for all of it to prove that this money is going to a good place. You know some of those donations where you just send off a cash amount, it's sometimes a little shady. Good360.com, they're good people. I've been looking for a while for a way to give back with this podcast, and I think this just might be it. So if you're so inclined, if you have the means, if you're feeling generous, please follow the link in the show notes of today's episode to donate to Anchor. At the end of May, I will be making my first donation to Good360.com throughout the entirety of this pandemic, until we're allowed back out of our homes, back to our normal day jobs, and back to our regular routines. I know I just threw a lot of information at you. I know it's probably a lot to digest. Take some time, think on it. Episode 1 of Season 5 should be dropping either next week or definitely by the week after. Until then, here is some bonus Jerry Ferrara audio, his favorite season of Entourage, overall and his favorite celebrity cameo thanks for listening i'll talk to you guys on monday that was so much fun dude thank you good good i'm glad it's really sorry i couldn't be as like loud and animated i had to keep it down a little bit very conversational a nice 59 minute conversation the listeners will love it um yeah, man. Let me know when that pod drops. We'll share it on all Bro Bibles channels. You'll see. Yeah, you for know. sure. We we taped a, a test one where we did Goodfellas, nice. and we actually watched the movie first, mm-hmm. and then put the mics on. Wrong idea. You sit through a two hour and forty eight minute movie. You're eating. You're drinking wine. Then you turn the mics. It was a six hour day. Yeah, and you're languid. You're like, no, like yeah, right. Yeah, you could watch this at home mm-hmm. for as long as it takes you. Make your notes, mm-hmm. and then. I'll send you the questions and we'll we'll meet up and do it. What you just described is what I do with episodes of Entourage every single week. So I'm glad to hear that the, yeah. the format's catching on. So where are you at? You're finished. You just finished season four. Yeah, and I was gonna take a break because um, you know there's no rush, but people right. like the content. I was gonna take like a month or something, but honestly, how's it doing? It does well for you, the the pod people, yeah. It does really well. There's listeners in Australia, Great Britain, India, dude. It's insane. <laughs> I, that's awesome. Show was big in Australia, man. I remember they tried to get us to go. We were going to go at one point because it was like, you guys are going to not be the Beatles, but yeah. like you're going to have a lot of people waiting for you in Australia. Um, that's cool. It's super cool. It, you know, ebbs and flows based on my guests. Sometimes I'm hoping this can, op- hopefully this conversation can open up some access to some other people in the cast and production and stuff like that. Because even just having like a writer on or something would really give some cool insight, you know, I would say like every once in a while people get tired of hearing like two random jackasses talking about the episodes, which is fair. And I get, I get that like, um, critique. I, I totally understand. It's totally fair. So, um, yeah, I might be hitting you up at some point for an intro. 
Uh, yeah, we, we could definitely do it. And uh, season five, that I think is arguably my second favorite season. What's your favorite? I think I think season two. Yeah. Because like you get past all the season one paranoia, and it's like, all right, we get to do this again. And you actually, everyone kind of knows who they are at that point. Yep. What we're kind of doing, even like the writers and Doug, everyone's kind of figured it out. So uh, definitely, I just think all that Aquaman shit. That's why I think my number one cameo of importance, I think, is James Cameron by far. Definitely, that tracks because he legitimized the whole fictional world. That Vince played in, yeah. right? Like, and James Cameron literally only had like one request. His request was, "I'll do the cameo," but Aqua. I think at the time, and you should maybe I'll try and see if Doug will come on. I think Aquaman was going to be a failure. Mm-hmm. I think the way Doug had it in his mind, Aquaman was going to flop. And James Cameron was like, "No, no." no. <laughs> if I'm playing myself directing Aquaman, it's got to be the biggest movie opening of all time because yeah. that's all the guy does. So we're like, done for sure. It kind of changed the whole course of the show. That's so cool. He yeah. he also specifically requested to write more like of his lines, at least according to an interview I read with Doug. Yeah, I think so. I think he just wanted to, because I think everybody was very sensitive. And then I think there was like even like a few scenes where I think he like picks up the walkie and is like, "Fuck, Gary, come!" Like you don't know. Again, we're still a new show. The big problem the first two or three years was people were unsure if we were making fun of them, mm-hmm. and it's like no the. You, like you're in on the joke if you don't want it like, this could be what you want it to be we want to work with you we're not trying to you know and then that's when all the cameos became very popular yeah but in the beginning it was rough so getting him it really just changed everything it's true because season one is just a bunch of actors and actresses i guess scarlet was the you know the big one at scarlet the was big too because i don't think we had that filled mm-hmm. <laughs> going like we were like three days away from shooting it. it's like fuck <laughs> we don't have anyone to play like the the love interest yeah. here that was a huge one uh the jimmy kimmel one early on in season one was big but the camera thing just legitimized the whole fictional universe that we were playing. 